0: Hey. hey! If you I'm haven't Sam. heard, oh shit! <laughs> hey, I'm Sandra.
1: <laughs> and you're listening to Puchica Vos, <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Puchica Vos podcast. <laughs> this is part two of the Central American Art as Resistance roundtable discussion. That we did the previous week. If you haven't heard that already, go listen to part one because you're going to be like, whoa, who are all these people? Wow, they're so dope and amazing. <laughs> How do I not know them? What are their names? Just listen to the part one and you'll know. So listen to part yeah. one. Get your shit together. you know. Get, go and look for that <laughs> shit. And listen to it and have your ears fulfilled by all this Central Best. American goodness.
1: <laughs> blessed yes blessed yes hope y'all are ready for more amazing conversations and beautiful tangents that are just as deep as the questions we asked
0: <laughs> Mm-hmm. Here yes we go. so this episode is with Linio, Maravet, Brina, Janine, and Gabriela and just look for their names and stuff in the show notes all their handles will be there so yeah hope you like part two yeah
1: it's only better from here y'all Linio you kind of ended on like the note that for the next question actually so um you said that there is this deeper narrative of Central American identity out there so um is it difficult to search for Central American centric art media or literature still You know, in this day and age where, like, we have Central American Twitter, you know, like, we're all there, you know, like, we're all doing our thing, but is it still hard? And this is kind of a redundant question in the sense that, like, yes. (laughs) But but I still want to hear y'all's thoughts on it because I want to know exactly how hard it is for you in your specific medium and in, like, putting the work out that you do. So.
2: This is Maravet again. <laughs> and so um, I find it like that I really didn't see Central American literature until I got actually to SF State. Mm. Shout out to Nestor Castillo and his um, U.S. <laughs> um, Central American um, Heritage and History class that I took uh, last fall. Really good professor. <laughs> um, I really didn't know about all these writers in the mission. And like mm-hmm. and, and that's partly why I started the Bay Area Central American Writing Group, because I I've lived my entire life in the East Bay and I didn't even know this rich like history that even that we, we have. And um and again, um I had another professor, um, Leticia Hernandez Linares. Um Shout out Mm -hmm. to her as well, um, because she really brought forth, of course, her anthology, The Wandering Song. Um, But, I mean, if it weren't for those two professors, and of course, another professor at um, Berkeley City College, I don't, I mean, other than Miguel Ángel Asturias, Nobel Prize um, Literature winner, from guatemala i didn't really know any other names i really really didn't i didn't know about hector Tobar. i just i i didn't realize all these writers were out there and i even learned that at one point there was a writing conference in central america yeah like i see all of your (laughs) um glances at me like yes it did exist at one point like there was like an actual like You hear about these writing conferences, and of course, they're obviously expensive to go to. Mm -hmm. But at one point, there was one, or it happened a while back. And like I didn't know that until very recently. And so, I mean, I think if it weren't for all these trailblazing writers here in the Bay Area, and El Tecolote, of course, I think we, in part, wouldn't be where we are now.
3: This is Brina. If it wasn't for like academia I also went to SFSU and really like fell in love with the Central American centric classes because that was like the these were like the very first teachers that were Salvadoran and encouraged us I'll never forget like even having that one assignment to like interview like two migrants and i'm like oh just like so talk to both of my parents because they're like from two completely <laughs> different countries and came <laughs> to the mission <laughs> and started their lives there in the city but like just like echoing what gabby was saying too like you this is why i i still love like san francisco because it did inspire me to be um, a creative person and an artist but like um yeah you're just surrounded by So much beautiful like public art And Mission Cultural Center Like Mm -hmm. shout out to them too Um, One of my um, older profes um, Felix also helped like Found um, Mm -hmm. the Mission Cultural Center And that's where I saw Solo Mujeres on a field trip And that's when I was like I want to be like with these cats over here Like my (laughs) art And like last I just got featured in like the last one that just happened That was really cool (laughs) I was like what somebody's asking me to like submit stuff like without me submitting something I'm like like I appreciate um my mujer cuz um she's like um like a chicana like ally and I love it when allies like pull out for like our people and understand like yo we as chicanos like we do have a privilege and let's you know push aside like the conversations and like the quote unquote critiques of divisiveness because it needs to happen for like Central Americans and South Americans too. But um I forgot I lost my train of thought. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> uh, no that's what it is. A big thought is coming out. You the Big big thought. Remind me of the question though. <laughs> oh, shit. It was um oh is it difficult, difficult
0: to search.
3: Oh yeah like Um, I feel like it still is, um, speaking from, like, a comics, um, like, an indie comics, like, um, point of reference, um, yeah, like, I tell myself a lot, and, like, to, like, some closest friends of mine and my partner, like, it does feel lonely, and sometimes, like, I'm glad y'all are saying this, too, because that makes me feel less lonely (laughs) (laughs) about the loneliness, because I only know, like... Myself, my other homie, um, Dustin Garcia, Cuban um, Nicoya, and our other um, homie, um, Daniel Parada, who's also from the mission too. Um, he's Salvi and makes um, these awesome comics um, that are like an alternative history to um, um, what the Aztecs would be doing if they you know, had the means to push off, like the Spanish colonizers. Yeah, he's got his comics for sale at Mission Comics, called Zots.
4: Yeah, yeah, I saw your button, Gabby.
3: I was like, yeah, loyal, okay. <laughs> hey, loyal. Yeah, like um, for me because I I eat up comic books nowadays that are like very like um, Jaime Hernandez, like where um, people just like write stories about themselves or like autobios or like satirical slice of life stuff like that's the the types of comics that I want to be like writing but like just sort of normalize like our experience Mm -hmm. as like a people um and yeah I have those thoughts too about like using food as like an iconographic like tool to like rally us all together I mean like should be talking shit because I have like a little pupusa chibi character. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, every, so cute, it's so cute. So, and I know I, I have like Hello Kitty to credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out anime. Yeah, Yay. but it's also like, damn. Like I, you know, that's the thing that we also grew up too. Like mm. as being tokenized within our communities. Mm-hmm. Like especially like I don't know in California. Like we're a pupusa club. Which mm-hmm. is like, yeah, I love eating pupusas. I used to eat five when I was a kid. Not anymore. Can <laughs> <laughs> no only handle two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think for for me, I just wish like we can just come to a place, maybe like in the future, um, where we normalize our narratives. Like, yeah. make it more known that this is a big part of like the diaspora in like the states and elsewhere in the world too. Like it's for me it's still really difficult to find those stories that feel like that are also slice of life that are also autobiographical um just because the the comic scene i think they still tend to be very like chicano centric and someone also approached me in my comic and they were asking me like oh are you mexica because you have like this like um you know, you have, like, your Nahuatl on there, I'm like, no, <laughs> y'all, it's not just... <laughs> that's not the only people who have Nahuatl. Right? <laughs> and then, like, they kind of step back when I tell oh. them, like, no, like, my, my people are from, like, Central America, and, like, that's when I have, I use mostly, like, the iconography and, again, the language um, to let people know, like, again, Latinx is just not Chicano-centric, or, like, Mexican centric, and for me that's like been the only way to kind of like push against um, people that want to impose on mm. onto me. Because there was a time I did identify as that. Because some people see perceive that label as like a, a political like identity too. Mm-hmm. Like, no, oh, you're a radical brown person, like down for like the movement, but. As like I started like hanging out with more Salvies at SF State and like I was kind of having similar conversations like, yo no, this is like an erasure. Ijigi mm-hmm. that's happening, and that's kind of not cute. <laughs> 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 like wait, like we have completely different histories. Like like even like languages, like indigenous languages that you know we should be talking, like speaking like right now and um i think a lot of people tend to forget that too and the erasure of like the Pocomam and the pipi like all of those Mm -hmm. like also the very different mayan-like communities that occupy like the mission for Mm -hmm. sure like we forget that it's so diverse like as much as it is diverse in like mexico but uh it's it's a struggle Mm -hmm. (laughs) to still find all of that content but um, I think we have the leverage a little bit more now because of like, the access to like, the internet and things like that. But because of the internet, I only got to find out about Fernando Llort, um, the Salvadoran artist, mm-hmm. and like one indigenous artist from Guatemala, Juan Cisay. Um, because when I was younger, I was more um, hungry for like, those like, artists that I could study and learn from and feel more empowered to like, pursue this thing.
4: This art thing, finding work, yeah. Like, um, at least in my space of like z- publication making, it's been like hard. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to La Liga Zine, which is like a mix scene. It's not only Mexican centric. There's folks in South America too. A lot of zine, La Chata Zine. Yeah. 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 Put yeah. like, yeah. together yeah. by two like brown women <laughs> from the D.M.V. D.C. area. Yeah. Um, oh, I think Nestia Media yeah. Collective is mixed. It's not only Mexican and Latina
0: Rebels.
4: Latina Rebels, okay, Americanos. yeah. So Centro
0: Mediconadas. Who, is-
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: like
2: who is from the Bay, <laughs> but
3: it's <is> not here. <laughs> oh, my God, wait, I
2: don't know. N- never knew <laughs> oh, that. No? Wow. Maya Chapina? Maya Chapina. What the heck? I
6: need- oh,
0: oh, yeah. yeah
3: she's
6: <laughs> really cool. <laughs> she's yeah. cool. She's dope. I we need to her. follow <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, like, for me i think that because we're such a small community and like the internet is like so crazy right because it's so big it's kind of daunting but it still feels tiny because it's also like a choice to like be in these spaces like i think for me it's a choice to like go Mm -hmm. out and like look at central american twitter and like all these things are a choice right but when you come upon like what we're all problematic in our own ways you know we all like no one's perfect but i think like when you find like some very toxic um folks that are given a platform it is really hard to be like okay well then do i not say anything do i do mm. like how do i like what do i do oh, like, I, like, okay. we're, like, we're like, not saying names I'll, I'll give context right so like the True. first time i ever like um what's it called interacted with a salvadorian artist was at city hall when i was an intern and like they uh at the time the supervisor Dave campos had like this big he had the biggest office so that we, they had a legitimate art show i was like okay rad and like i looked up and it was like these amazing like Beautiful talent, like just so like beautiful pieces, right? And I'd never, and when they told me he was Salvador, and I was like, what? I was like shook, and I remember like being emotional because I just like well, I had a little too much wine, but I was like, this is just so beautiful, like it's so cool. Later I would go on and like I would um, work at a nonprofit in the mission, and this artist would become the executive director of the space, mm. and I was just so excited, right? Because like in the mission, like a lot of the nonprofits, their programming focuses around like Chicano art. I feel like you know at least like that's what it it says on the programming um and sometimes like a lot of the people in positions of power like executive directors are um are not central american are not afro latinos are not you know do not come from these spaces and then later i along with four other women resigned from this position because it this this person provided such a toxic like work environment and made a lot of us feel unsafe as women and like you know this is also a very respected artist in the mission and like is an executive Mm. director like i'm 23 years old going against like a a grown-ass man who has a platform and like the moment you say something you're like your voice is negated because you're so young or because you're a woman or because you're considered problematic but it's like am i am am i in the four women who decided to leave like are we problematic or is the problem like stemming from the person in positions of power but they're like and as an artist like i i understand the value of his work but like, can you separate the work from their identity, and understand like the power of the representation? You know, like all these things you're trying to unpack, mm-hmm. and like with Twitter, like especially like I'm be reading some comments, I'm like, are you sure you're supposed to say that? Like that that we we should like unpack what you said, because like even on the internet like maybe it's because like you know you put something up and and it's the simple gratification of doing something quickly or just like visual gratification and like there are some like anti-black undertones in a lot of things that I like read and see and I'm like I know we're all growing and we're learning like you know I'm also learning to unpack a lot of things that were like ingrained into me when I was a child um from both families Um, And, you know, that was ingrained from ignorance on their end too, like, and their family. So it's just like, how do you navigate that without trying to like, you know, be complicit in these spaces? Mm -hmm. And like, as someone who does have a platform in various, like, on and off the internet, like, how do you navigate that? And I think it's like a constant, like, discovery for us. And like, going, like, even more into that, like, I've learned so much about Garifuna culture off of the internet, Uh so, like, into something more positive now, you know, it's just, like, it's, it's been really cool to, like, learn and be, like, wow, I've been so ignorant to this, like, let me also make the choice to, like, dive into this, and I just wish, like, that community had more of a platform, Mm -hmm. and, um, because you just learn so much, and, like, being Nicaraguan also, like, I didn't know about the mosquito community until, like, what, a year and a half ago, and that, like, on all platforms in and outside the internet like there is there is i feel like a it's either from ignorance or a constant Mm -hmm. or like a an active decision should not bring in these voices or these narratives um into these spaces so i think i just went on a ramp but like the point Mm -hmm. is it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's like all valid yeah say it say
0: it so all right that's all fucking dope i love that shit Mm. you guys say you guys say like the best shit Sorry, actually, I'm going to do a little a little side thing right now. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say, and I'm really appreciative, and I'm going to throw this just out there for the group and also for the people who are listening. I'm really proud of of being able to have a group of people who grew up in the Bay Area because I know that that is such a thing. I feel like <laughs> it's so hard to meet people from the Bay like born and raised in the <laughs> Bay Area. like You've been here since you were like, You went to, like, public schools around here. Like, I feel like that's a lot of the thing that, like, gets you to know shit is going through the public school system or learning the social (laughs) services system makes you really understand how it is to live somewhere. And I don't know why, but that's just, like, what I've been thinking a lot these days. And I'm just, like, really appreciative that, especially in a place that's so transient, like the Bay Area, like, including me, not excluding me, like, including me, call me, out, I don't care, say it, um... (laughs) gentrification is just so huge and like displacement is so real so i'm just like very proud that like we have central americans that are just like fucking from the fucking bay ready to get down like the fucking bay like <laughs> because there's such a difference and, it, and like being in san francisco and working in san francisco is just like day and night like the people mm-hmm. And I just want to throw that out there because I'm really happy that. this thank you, thank you, I because appreciate it. Because y'all are loved and everyone needs you everywhere. Because it's frustrating to be in spaces that are like meant to cook for the community of San Francisco, and I'm like, where or the Bay Area? I'm like, where the fuck are you from? I'm from Michigan. I'm from fucking Jersey. I'm like, who the fuck are you, like? They're Central
6: American. No, it's not Central be so like, American, but just uh, like
0: any type of like nonprofit space. Like mm-hmm. I, so mm-hmm. I work with like a national nonprofit, right? And even though it's like a localized national national nonprofit, it's like I swear to you, we have a staff of fifty. I can probably name like the five people that are, grew up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. which is like wild. It's like it shouldn't be like that. That's real.
7: Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. right now. I've been saying Berkeley, but I want to say B-Town. And (laughs) I've been saying I'm from North Oakland, but I want to say I-City, you know. And so, for sure, you know, like, I I, I, I feel you, you know, like, it's, you know, we we have to speak properly to the rest of the country so they can understand that I'm from Berkeley and, well, Berkeley, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because, you know, they're like... The thing is, if, if you're from Berkeley, you say, like, <laughs> Berkeley. You don't say, Berkeley. I'm from Berkeley. I went to UC Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did, but, I, like... Everyone's so polite. Yeah, when they, yeah, have, when yeah, they say Berkeley, yeah, they're so Berkeley polite. But, oh, you like, gotta, you gotta say emphasis it with... on the K, you know? <laughs> Berkeley. <laughs> Berkeley. <laughs> Berkeley player, you know? And, I city. <laughs> and, uh,
2: I mean, I'm from Oakland. I'm from East Oakland. And, you know, I... I grew up going to a public school, like you were saying, and then going to Open School for the Arts, you know. um, It is really, like, at this point, it it is, again, going back to the loneliness, kind of, like, there's very few of us that can still say we're from here, that we're from the Bay Area, that we, our roots are here. And um, I, I tweeted earlier, like, the moment you come back to the Bay Area, there's something so like natural about kind of relaxing. Like, I know these streets, mm. I can move on. We were just talking about earlier about the one who remembers the one, no one remembers. What is that? The, the bus, yeah, yeah, in nah, peace, from... line one. I know, I know what you're doing, yeah, like. <laughs> OG people will remember it, yeah. but you know, just like it's it's kind of like. It kind of like it m- marks you as like yeah. a warrior, kind of like it's your your mark.
7: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I know when it was the 40. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dang, throwback. I
4: know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I
3: think like, oh, oh, yeah, baton. Oh, okay. Yeah. Baton. <laughs> the baton. Oh, Sabrina. Um, it's such a trip. Sometimes I feel like I take being from like san bruno and south city like for granted i say both cities because like i spent most of my childhood in, like half of that in san bruno and then half of that in south city i also lived in milbrae um i don't like to claim it because (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah like i haven't had like the greatest experience but i had like wonderful friends from like the city of milbrae but i was tokenized a lot too and uh very white like soccer um youth soccer space um inspired me to like make comics so i should give credit to like Millbrae, to some degree (laughs) (laughs) right for the trauma (laughs) for real and like um i know like when it comes to like higher education too like we should be going to like different places like away from home to like study and like that's real I sometimes wish I did do that for myself um for undergrad sometimes grad school but there's still something that calls to me to like stay here because it feels like a social responsibility for the young you know kids of color over here that do want to get into like the field that I'm in right now um yeah SFSU like is where like So much growth and, like, wokeness happened. Like, the wokeness was always there, like, I feel like, in the mission. But it didn't really, like, unfold itself until, like, I met all these other rap people that were also from the Bay Area, too. And it just makes you feel like this is your tribe that, you know, you've been trying to find for all these years. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm in grad school right now for uh, my MFA in comics at California College of the Arts in the city. So... I was just like kind of like like tearing up a little bit when i got like a phone call from the chair telling me like you got in and i'm like Mm what Like i'm like sorry man about to cry (laughs) 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 because i feel like it's like these we hold like all of these hidden gems that not everybody knows about like what it feels like to be from here too and like i'm from like pretty like small towns but like growing older I realized there's so we had so much potential too. We still have so many beautiful things to celebrate. Being from like Itty Bitty South City and San Bruno, like going back to those places are still like really important to me because like that's where we had like our first pupusa, like at Come, um
7: shit. Balompier. Balompier. yeah and socalo so, yes socalo i can't
3: believe like i had a huge brain fart but that's in south san francisco and yeah. socalo and like san miguel like this like the guatemalan restaurant like those were like our like places where we felt like so connected to like our roots and they were always mostly restaurants but um yeah I think like a lot of us who tend to fight each other like still want to stay here it's, try to fight as much as fight as hard because it's also like a crazy erasure that's happening with the gentrification mm-hmm. too there's so yeah. much like what you were saying like so much history in Balmy Alley that no one's talking about mm. and it's really frightening it yeah yeah
6: it yeah, scares the me the messed part that it's getting painted mm-hmm. over like murals change you know but it's kind of like symbolic of what's happening um yeah oh <laughs> yeah. yeah i think like i love being from the mission and like even my instagram bio i'm like a brat i'm like og mission baby um <laughs> claim because, that. yeah i claim it because it's like for me it's like you know i was born in general hospital before it was Zuckerberg. oh you know man. i have feelings about that and i also think that when people think of like a mission like a kid from the mission they're not thinking like Nika Salvi kid, you know. They're not thinking of someone who like who's there's so many mom and pop shops on Mission Street and like you see the adult but you never like think of their children and like I'm one of their children. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, for me it's like when you think of like a child from the mission, you don't think of someone like me, maybe someone who looks like me, but not necessarily like with the same background and I think, yeah, gentrification has been really scary and I I feel you on like the social responsibility element of it. Like for high school, I went to school in Pacific Heights, right? And like That's where I was, like, I did not rep, like, the Mission District if I didn't have to. I just wouldn't talk about it because it's, like, one, you're already brown. You're visibly, like, different and then two like you're not coming from one of these families that can pay the tuition like i think at the time it was like 30 something thousand dollars a year you're like a financial aid kid you know from the mission like there's just all these undertones already telling you like that's not something you should be proud of and then like once you like figure out where your voice is in white spaces you realize like actually that is something that is important to claim for myself and like for my community and i think that like you know staying there is really hard because it's just like so expensive like even for those of us who are there and like have different points of access and opportunity like it's so so expensive but you know like I think generational wealth is you know they say like generational wealth in America is built on like home ownership and like owning land but it's also I think like you know like generational wealth is like also in like our people and like in our stories and like the people who stay there like we are also like tall buildings that stand tall and strong as like human beings like you know this is like some metaphor i'm working with right now but like it's it's important that that we're present so i'm very appreciative that like we all rallied here and you guys patiently wait for me like in here Um, a struggle bus literally um but i just think like you know it, it is important but it's like scary and lonely and exhausting and i think that's another conversation that could like go on forever it's like the bandwidth of us, right? Like, what is our capacity? And like, we do get tired. We're only capable of so much. And like, there's just like so much to unpack there. But yeah, yeah, I love the mission.
7: No, <laughs> but, yeah. no that's I for still sure. love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, for me, for me, the mission. You know, uh, growing up in the '80s in the Bay Area, the only place where we can get cilantro, mm-hmm. platanos, mm-hmm. was the Mission. You know, it wasn't. You know, now you can. There's cilantro in every freaking Safeway, every whole foods it doesn't really matter but in the 80s really y'all it wasn't happening platanos and fucking And, and so, I mean, you know, that's like something, you know, that you can still get in the mission for sure, but that's even, not even in Whole Foods, you know, maybe, maybe it's canned. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) We should get on this. I know, we should. This should be, this should become, instead of a podcast, this should become like a business ideas. You know, like fucking, uh, (laughs) Isote, Flores, and Sareche, like we try to figure this out but anyways um yeah you know like so to me like the the, uh, you know um the mission was the place to go get pupusas in the 80s you know uh the the mission was the place to get platanos in in the 80s and early 90s as well you know so because there was no other there wasn't the lat the what is it called Hispanic or Latino Isle what, what is it called oh. the In- ethnic yes. so, yeah. so I mean international you know, I don't know something. you know Latin but foods. but you know that that was the space and that was the space to hear the accent the, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that was the space to um, you know you mentioned as you mentioned kind of like a physical space you mm-hmm. know like uh, um in terms of like American, you know, ownership of, of, but like the pupuseria was that cultural space, you know, where I remember my parents like going into El Socalo uh, uh, on the mission and, you know, um, talking to the waiters, talking to the people there, recognizing people there, recognizing people from you know, and us living in like Berkeley, North Oakland, and coming to the mission, it was so important, really, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. it was extremely important, um, um, and, and yeah, I mean, the, to me, the mission, man, like I, I've said, I've, you, you know, I walked through it today, and definitely it has a, a, a uh, you can smell the Mexican hegemony in the air, but... <laughs> it's central american man it's like it it's really is you know you you don't even have you have to peel a thin layer to be to know that who's been holding it up for all for a long time is c.a.s you know
3: c.a.s <laughs>
1: yeah. cool thank y'all for sharing so much. So as someone who's visiting from the Bay Area, this is like a fucking history lesson, mm-hmm. but it's wonderful because I'm just like, yo, I don't need to pay for a fucking tour. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I got people who told me you <laughs> and I've been them. live tweeting. Nah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 nah, um, but no, it's I, like, I'm truly grateful for y'all for like sharing your experiences in the Bay Area. So as someone who's visiting, it means a lot because I'm just like, alright, cool. I know more than like, I got my little compass card today. I'm like, I can claim the Bay Area. Your compass? No. Oh, no. Ah, hey. Clipper's card, because like card. Card. <laughs> Compass card is in San Diego, so oh, that's why I called it oh, that. Like, I'm, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even from San Diego, tampoco. But it just means a lot to like hear y'all talk about this place in a way that I would talk about LA. So it's just like it Very means a much. lot because it's just like wow, y'all love this place so much. Mm-hmm. And so thank y'all for sharing that. Our next question is gonna move away from the Central American aspect a bit, but apart from trying to focus on Central American representation in your projects is there anything else you're trying to accomplish as an artist <laughs> I,
7: I I don't know you know um, uh, this is Plinio and um, living in, in Mexico um, and, and separating myself from being in the United States and, and really kind of focusing on who I was as a Person from El Salvador, like, um, there was a certain thing that I kind of let go of my identity, you know? So I started focusing on, I mean, maybe this is redundant, but like, I really started focusing on migration as a whole, you know? Uh, and so, one, pro- like, a project that I did that I'm very happy of, I had a residency at, um, at, um, at uh, Orozco, at, at a house which, or, wait, I'm um, Jose Clemente Orozco, which is a very famous uh, Mexican muralist who's painted tons of stuff in Guadalajara. He's one of the quintessential um, artists, and so I had a residency at his house um, um, and studio space where I really just focused on the migration of plants in, in, in that immediate area. So it still had a, uh, a, I mean, I I don't think I can escape that. It's really hard, you know, like I think that's my key kind of narrative that I always focus on and I always come back to. But, you know, there's immigration. We're We're at a time and place where there's immigration everywhere, you know, and denying that is kind of like really just dumb, you know, like denying that there's different kinds of, immigrations to different geographical spaces and so um, I think it's helped me out you know it's helped me out in, in in being able to focus as a project-based artist which is basically trying to do projects um, whether it's um, educational or my own practice in a certain space I think it's um, migration it's hard to, to, to step away from it you know it's still about um, Migration, but not just my migration, but you know, migration in general.
6: Yeah, I think that like maybe I don't know if it's like g- like a given, but I think for me it's like um, art spaces and like the arts is like inherently white, and um white folks and like white artists can make a living out of it, and like it's a normalized thing of like, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do that, sure. And I think um maybe not for myself because i don't really like i really just don't know what my life is gonna look like moving forward or what i really want in like the next couple years but i think that like you know in general to make it accessible and um a normalized idea of like yes this is something you can't pursue because going back to like the constant like narrative of like but you're an americana who's going to school college and you're going to do this and that it's like okay but can we like i i see the value in that but can we also normalize the idea of like if people want to choose art school or the arts or um you know developing their own type of education because sometimes education isn't in institutions for a lot of folks and i think some of the best educators i know are people who did not go through these like traditional institutions and i think as an artist i think the beauty of of like using our words and and illustration it's like breaking down all these theoretical like um like the language that we're thrown at and, like, we're also, I think, told whether subconsciously or, or, like, I think we really are conditioned to believe like, once you learn this language, you can navigate whiteness, you can navigate America, mm-hmm. you can navigate capitalism all these other things, therefore you're successful and I think that, like, that's very, like, that's an issue you know, and I think that once we unpack that, as artists and as just people in general, like, we can kind of, like, have some more sustainable um, work. And like narratives, because I think that you know, like within the systems that we're working with, like narratives themselves can also be sustainable or not sustainable. And I think when you're working within all these different parameters, it gets hard um, to do that. So, I don't know if I answered that question. Yeah, no, I think
5: yeah. you did.
0: Yeah, um, something that I completely thought of. Sorry, right now in the middle of this discussion, um, I was thinking a lot about how you were discussing like just art spaces or the idea of like art that it sells or the idea Mm -hmm. of creating an art career I thought a lot about like the concept of going to a place for art so it's like you're purchasing the opportunity to see art so it's like there has to be a building Mm -hmm. like there has to be all this so it's like I feel like especially for like Latinx people a lot of our art is meant to be public a lot of our Mm -hmm. art is like not meant to be in a museum our art is like our dress our art Mm -hmm. is like uh, things that we make by hand, like artesanías, like, mm-hmm. like we're, we're, like, a people that are more from, like, craftsmen, mm-hmm. things that, like, just making art, or, like, making these earrings, or making this, like, little tablero for your keys, like, <laughs> you know, like, that's, like, an art to be able to mm-hmm. carve all that shit out, and it just makes you think of, like, the idea of, like,
7: com- or,
0: like, monetizing art monetizing yeah. art or, like, commodifying art to the point is like, this is art. I made this art to be art, so it could only exist as art versus like, no, this art is like my bag. This Mm -hmm. art is this like painting on the wall in the street in my neighborhood. Like Mm -hmm. art that is not necessarily consumed multiple times, Mm -hmm. maybe consumed once for everyone or once for yourself.
5: Yeah.
0: And just like, I don't know, that made me think a lot about like the opportunities of like art, at least here in the United States or to be considered an artist.
6: No, I know even because, like, I'm, like, I think in a week or two, depending how quickly I get my life together, um, I'm going to launch my online website, right? And, like, everyone who knows me and, like, has known me since, like, I was younger, like, I... When I was younger, I was always, I would be, like, you know, I don't believe that art should be butter-souled. sold. It is meant to just be, like, experienced and to be, like, produced and, and to just be, like, you know, what? You're 10 and, like, thinking this way, like, sit down. Take off the beret. Like, you're fine. Um, and I think that, like, for me it's been difficult, like, thinking about that, because, like, I learned that murals became, like, a thing because we weren't allowed in museums. So we built our own art galleries that were public. And I think also as a community, as people of color who, accessibility has always been an issue and still continues to be Mm -hmm. one, it is, like, heartbreaking to, like, for me, and it's, like, painful when people ask, like, how much is your work? Like, how much is it? And, like, the sliding scale method is something that I'm, like, working with, right? But I also know, like, the sustainability of my work also unfortunately like is built on the capitalistic system that we're working in right and i also believe like if we're gonna talk about there's a difference between equality and equity and i think when you look at art i think that when i've been given access to exhibit with white folks it's like oh but you're equal because you're given this space i'm like yeah but it's not equitable for xyz different reasons and parts of it is also like well you're not going to allow me to monetize my work but this person's work can be monetized because they went to art school and they did all these other things you know so it's like it's like i agree with you it's a constant struggle and it's just like i think that my art like i can't control who's going to consume it but for me it's like it is meant for like latinx brown people central americans like people who identify with it and i think in a world where there's like like today we're at a music festival there's like like a crazy amount of cultural appropriation and like that is a fear also of monetizing like work right it's like now that it can be consumed and there's been this transaction like they have a right to your work to some degree and like who knows what's gonna spur from that so it's like it's a constant like conversation Mm -hmm. in my head so yeah many fears many going back and forth yeah
7: whoa yeah i mean <laughs>
5: um I,
7: yeah,
5: is you about to go no
7: I, I thought you were gesturing no i mean i do but i used to go <laughs> yeah.
3: okay um i don't know if this will like fully answer the question but um what i always sort of put out in like the universe is like the hope and the dream of like making sure i'm constantly making art or collaborating with community and that means like black and brown like queer folks um located either here in the bay or like elsewhere and like it's kind of like not creepy but like it's a beautiful thing that's been happening to me within the last couple of years like it's been moments where I'm like getting reached out to by like people that just like find me on like social media to like help them with a children's book that's um about being a non-binary latinx person and i'm collaborating with this um this educator named lordes um our book is going to be um i believe that it's going to be published um this october and those opportunities just like remind me that they're very available but um in the publishing world, like in the greater scheme of things, um, in comics. And it's a conversation I have with like people of color, um, that are into indie stuff too. It's still a struggle because not everybody, um, sometimes has like a good experiences with editing language and like going back to like, you know, claiming like, um, language as like, um, like a utopia for like art and literature like we want to make sure Akalicha is in there and that's the way i want to make sure like my comics are accessible and blatantly like it's meant for a specific audience but it can be accessible or anybody can consume it but like it's a thing too it's still a very white comics is a very white like industry and um not everybody thinks that your culture, your language is going to be as marketable as you dream Mm -hmm. it to be so um, I just like will also want to be in a place like I'm also an educator too where I want to encourage like young kids of color to know that you don't need to have all of this like art school theory too to make your own like comic book or Mm -hmm. zine like um, you know it's Nice. I'm glad that I am getting like the tools to like help like form my own curriculum for um for youth in like the universities and you know, for younger um younger folks. But um it's it's like a funny time like to be in like the comic book world because like it's getting more academic and like the more that we're building or that we have been building language on like comic theory sometimes it seems like I I don't want it to seem that these are like ideas and theories that are inaccessible and that you need to learn the tools like in art theory to like know how to break them and how to like properly make art which is like no Like, like echoing what like Gabby's saying like you like um are inspired by so many like names and people who never had that training had that education so just like reinforcing that that narrative that you can own your own stuff and nobody should like be calling you out for like doing it the wrong or right way like it's it's still an extension of yourself so my dream is just to create like a safe like a safe learning environment mm-hmm. designed for like people of color to like feel empowered to own their own stories and like yeah the pub to pitch to a publisher like i know that's something that a lot of us would aspire to do but i come from like zines as well and i feel like there's just so much more power to like self publishing your work mm-hmm. too and you never know whose hands is going to fall into as well like it's been, like, the most supportive, like, community that I belong to.
0: Apart from trying to focus on Central American representation in your projects, is there anything else you as an artist are trying to accomplish or as a curator? Okay, yeah. Curator, I'll lean on Can that a little more.
4: I'm Janine. Um, yeah, I just echoing back, like, creating an, an environment that embraces um, and also trying to use like particular privileges to benefit folks who are you know traditionally marginalized so for example like even on this panel like i've tried to be roundtable i've been i've been trying to like talk less because i am not from the bay area i'm a transplant and i'm also have several other privileges as i mentioned before pale skin privilege, passing privilege, et cetera, all that stuff. So I think that with Undertone specifically, like my friends and I are, this is stuff that we created totally out of our own pocket. There are no investors and sometimes we break even, sometimes we don't. And uh, that's just the name of the game. Sometimes you don't make any profit, but you just have to think about, you know, can this be a platform for someone who's never been published before? Mm -hmm. A poet from the Bay Area that is still in high school. Like, um that wouldn't be picked up by a publication that you know nowadays but you know it's been tradition that f- they charge submission fees to review your work mm-hmm. at literary publications and you know like although we're not at the capacity yet where we can like reimburse people who submit to us that's the end goal is to retroactively pay people and make enough money one day maybe um but yeah just thinking about that thinking about being an of environment uh, that, that doesn't have doesn't feel as gatekeeping but also realizing that like if your pocket takes a knock you already have the privilege of x mm-hmm. y and z and using that as a platform mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. honestly like in many ways undertone comes from uh from us trying to creatively express ourselves but it's always like in the service of something else like this isn't a publication that's filled with our poems or a publication that's filled with our filled with our art it's literally everyone else's submissions um so, yeah, I don't know if that's quite cohesive of what I'm trying to say. But, um, but yeah, it, it's kind of like trying to reorient, trying to trying to refunnel your privilege to service a little bit. And we fail sometimes, and we're learning. It's our second issue. And, like, I just, I don't know. I really encourage people who have several modes of privilege to figure out how to create that for a vehicle, make that a vehicle for other people who who can come on. And who you can put on. Just put other people on who are like you, who are unlike you, especially those who are unlike you. Um, And like, honestly, like, shut up sometimes and like literally allow people who know what they're talking about speak, you know? Mm. Um, Which just seems to be very hard for people. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. just do that. Just, I advise you, it will be in your favor. (laughs) Do (laughs) it. (laughs) Straight at (laughs) them. Yeah, I'm looking at everybody. Yeah, I'll say it again people with white passing privilege, you white passing Latinx. I'm one of you sometimes, depending on who looks at me, so I'm talking to all of you. Um, yeah, like, seriously, shut up sometimes and let people speak
2: and pay them when you can. Oh. Hi, everyone again. My name is Marbet or Marabet. <laughs> I know I alternate between those two. Um, I guess I just wanted to talk, like, speak on, like, she mentioned something about privilege, and it's so important to address, the privilege that we have just being in this room together um because we're here because we've had opportunities to work at our our curate our art and I think for me um I guess the end goal uh, is just I am where I am because I love writing and um, I've been writing my my whole life and um, it just it's I guess we've been speaking about like the loneliness that we feel when we're doing our own art but at the same time through this art that we're making it's when I've felt the least lonely it's like a very uh, complicated complex feeling. But I think what I ultimately want to do because of it all is, I've, you know, someone mentioned um, the editing process. Um, But for me, I I want to be a publishing editor or I want to create my own press um, because I want to put out other people's work, not just my own. But I also want them to be respected and loved as any other book that's, in the New York bestseller like I want people like and maybe that is kind of capitalist of me but I just there's so many people with potential to to create and we have to make room for them and make a space accessible for them so I think that's ultimately my end goal
1: Thank y'all so much for sharing. Um, We're gonna go ahead and like try to wrap things up now. So, um, what we're gonna go ahead and do, I like to do a bendicion at the end, so it's like a piece of like self care advice or like a positive note to end things on, especially Mm -hmm. when we do really heavy episodes. I don't want to take up that space, so (laughs) um, I'm gonna ask y'all to please give one solid piece of like hopeful advice that you really want our listeners to like take out of this conversation at the end and so i think y'all all all have very valuable experiences in all the work that you do and they're all very different some of them are like more closely related than others but the fact is y'all have very different experiences just as people and so if y'all have any piece of like hopeful advice or just a A mini bendicion of your own. This is your opportunity.
0: This is also your opportunity to plug anything. You (laughs) have a a little meetup, you have a little zine coming up, Uh, you got a little dance that you're gonna post, you got something to just plug. This is plug time. You can say your. Uh, handles once again. This is all you can shout out your booze, you can shout out anybody, you know, just let them know.
2: This is, yeah. mm-hmm. I guess I'll go. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll give a shout out to the Fruitvale area here in Oakland because it's rapidly becoming what I like to call a little Guatemala. Just you know, obviously, because of the mass exodus from Central American countries, we do have like you know. But there is a lot of watermelons now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Just walking down international, you see so, so many faces. And you see the women with their traje típico. Like, it's an exciting time to live in, but also kind of sad at the same time. But on that note, I want to say something that I've been thinking about is it's okay to let yourself be sensitive to what's going on in the world and to what's going on in your personal life. Don't allow yourself to, eh, just whatever. <laughs> like, don't allow yourself to do that because the more you push it away, it hurts more later, you know? And there's a lot of stuff happening in our community and has been happening for many years, centuries. And part of dealing with that is also being able to say or even just stepping away from Twitter <laughs> mm-hmm. or uh, social media because it does get you know any if, and if you have to mute people it's okay to mute people if you have to block people because you don't want to see what they're what they're posting it's totally okay so I think I'll just just say that just remember to take care of yourself especially in these times um, but also remember that there is a community that is willing to love you and support you in any way that you need it uh this is brina could find me on instagram at
3: brinache b-r-e-e-n-a-c-h-e shout out to my grandpa for giving me that nickname Mm -hmm. (laughs) since i was a baby and now it's been like my artist name shout out to my partner yeah future hubby well He's my hubby right now. Uh, Lawrence Lindell. It's a blessing to have a partner that pretty much wants to do the exact same things as you. And like holding, you know, so much space for me. And like just reminding me we're doing this for all the babies. (laughs) And um, nothing's going to stop us. Shout out to my housemate Trinidad Escobar. She's such a force to be reckoned with and has such like passion also for education in the comics world too, holding it down for all of the students of color that really want to learn from her and to feel like they're in a safe learning environment and that they're owning their own histories and their own stories and her son Kalayo um, he's like the gem in our house he just like is the future this like little like queerling is loving himself and he just like has so much love for the world and uh it reminds me why i want to be or i continue to pursue education shout out to my best friend who's my salvi sister from another mr Iverico. she's out in texas doing her internship she's like future doctor shrink in training (laughs) she is my therapist and like I'm hers too so we switch roles every now and then and she's like also like another reason why like I want a whole space for like like very sensitive like Central Americans too that go through so many feelings because we don't get to hear those stories enough and to all of this like sentidas sentidos out there like we're here it's okay to like to break down because this life we're living in is really hard and sometimes you don't feel like a sense of agency and we all feel that we're on that same boat with y'all like it's okay to feel lonely but you're also not that doesn't mean like you're a lonely person you have a community like that may not be physically with you all the time but like Again, shout out to like the internet, I guess <laughs> and like Instagram and Twitter and all those things that we have to use to like find those communities and to connect with people, like use those tools and like those privileges that you do have. And a piece of advice for folks in the arts. yeah, it's all it's a like a difficult time to like make this a full-time hustle, but it's it's worth it at the end of the day to like, be in a place where you're finally owning your creativity, it's it's very challenging. There's going to be mistakes that you're going to make along the way, but those are totally normal. Mistakes are a part of the process and you're going to learn how to grow as like a person and as like you know, like an artistic entrepreneur or whatever you want to call yourself. Like that's how you're gonna grow as a person. And remember that nothing is ever accomplished alone like you're getting a lot of wisdom that you know we inherited from like like what you're saying the artesanias that we came from we come from a people of geniuses so just remember
6: that um well I want to give a shout out to my sisters uh Xiomara and Cynthia um Alaman also uh because like like I'm smug morenita you know but like the there is no smug morenita without them and like my partner Emilio um, uh, like really amazing you know Chicano um ally uh who like they all help me like cut my prints they help me like ch- Emilio's out here helping me with colors like like what is like what is eyes more receptive with like the little things really matter and like keeping my morale like alive and reminding me that like my work my writing is like valuable when like sometimes I have like moments of like what is this like you know um worth it and like to artists just like I would definitely say like take care of yourself like yes like what you were saying like really invest in yourself whatever that looks like whether it's like entrepreneurship or just like time like take it but it's also okay to not create all the time I think that's another thing we're not told enough it's like especially like for me being Central American is incredibly taxing right now and it's okay to not create um you know like and covering like certain like current events that happen because like you know we have a bandwidth your capacity is important and like outside of being artists we are like family members to some we are people we are individuals you know we are like you have to take care of yourself um and oh yeah i will do a little plug um uh, my website is like gonna uh go live soon it's the, under the same name smug morenita okaycom and uh, 10% of proceeds will be going to Central American charities that I'm working with for the following year so if you want to support that please do but yes <clears throat> thank you and thank you for everyone for like sharing space because I've never I've literally never mm-hmm. sat in a room with other Central American artists and thank you guys for putting this together because it was really important
0: for me to be here so thank you thank you for thinking (laughs) (laughs) thank you for coming to my house like this is not like you know know it's not
6: east 10th street now we know i know it's not east 10th
0: street it's 10th street Street. (laughs) also i know this is a tiny room i know that this is still a work in progress i know we're not five stars (laughs) like but at least it's Thank you for being yeah. comfortable with us. We'll get to that point. We'll get to yeah. that and point. We'll, we'll be able to come studio. into a recording studio. Ooh. Okay. I want to keep
4: going. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, just echoing that, thank you for everyone here inviting me in the space, creating the podcast, et cetera. Thank you so much. Um, I guess I can't really speak from an artist's perspective. I'm not an artist, but I will say that. Um, For folks who have privilege, take stock of your privilege, take stock of your resources, reorient, redistribute, put other people on, put other people on, put other people on. Um, If you have certain kinds of privilege, it's okay to shut up. You will not die. You don't have to dominate the narrative all the time. Um, Yeah, so look at yourself, look at your choices, um, realize that all your choices are political, and um, yeah, just redistribute that. Don't be afraid to embrace put other people on, have creative spaces be um, nourishing rather than competitive. I know capitalism has taught mm-hmm. us otherwise but it's possible it's a struggle but it's possible to make them nourishing. Oh oh yeah um, rest embrace each other these can be community spaces you can create together it's okay to be vulnerable. Don't always focus on networking up yeah. network around you look at your resources around you um, look at your circles they're, they're creative circles there's value in your conversation and your ideas. And they don't have to be validated by institutions all the time and um, it's difficult but not everything has to come from a place of fear and scarcity Mm -hmm. scarcity models really drain us and if you can figure out a way to work around that. You don't have to work from a place of scarcity all the Mm -hmm. time.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm That's beautiful. Mm I want to do a special shout out to Janine because she gave me Hella racks to people. (laughs) And she was, uh, she's the one that introduced me to Maravet. And she was just like, (laughs) <laughs> Even though I may have already had names in mind, she like was like, "Oh, this person would be good. This person would be good. This person." <laughs> I'm like, Girl, "I got them all already," but you know, thank you. <laughs> so Janine is all about sharing the pie. So mm. shout out thank to Janine. I love you. Yeah, it was like a good, delicious pie.
7: <laughs> <laughs> so my, my advice is, uh, y- y- everyone listening and everybody here should become a teacher. Take. Uh, do an emergency teaching credential, take your substitute, you know, do all that, and believe me, just that little time for some little kid, some little Central American kid, some little Central American girl boy, just saying something, no fregues, boss, you know, <laughs> that's so empowering for them, you know, um, uh, do that for a couple of years, if you don't like it, stop, that's why I'm saying do your Merging, teaching credential, even do your credential. It only takes a year, Uh, but believe me, you'll go in there and you'll have so so deep connections to folks and you'll be like, you know what? I only want to do this for three years. You know, I did this for three years. I'm out, you know? It's hardcore. It's too much. That's fine, but those three years, you're going to, there's going to be in 10, 15, uh, 20 maybe even 30 years like me like some kids speaking into a mic you know saying like yo el señor hernandez was fucking the shit you know? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know fucking being like "Un hombre vos estas sabes de la Ciguanagua sabes del cipitillo you know all those things that really relate to to folks out just it becomes what we've all spoken about the normative, you know, and, and for them to, to hear that narrative, believe me, like, I'm a high school teacher, and the youngsters uh, gravitate to me, you know, uh, not just like Central American kids, or half Central American kids, who there's tons of now, you know, but like, you know, um, I grew, I grew up, like I said, in North Oakland, where at the time, it was really, like, the only Salvi folks were my family, um, and really, I grew up around black folks and other immigrants, and so that narrative is needed in education, you know. And so our narrative is needed in education. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, being able to just uh, influence somebody for a year, like if you're somebody's after school art teacher for a year, y'all, it'll be so much significant that you spoke to them and like, you know, I use you, you know all those things that for them is like, I hear that at home. That's that's the only place I hear that, and I'm hearing that from my educator, you know? And, uh, with a smile, of course, you know? So, um, big up to this group, you know? It's super fresh, dope to be here. Big up to my uh, collective Aguas Migrantes. Big up to, like, my wife, Diana Negrin, my kids, uh, Juan Julián, Plinio, and little Yeti Hasmín. <laughs> probably totally asleep at their grandparents right now my Uh mom and dad so big up to them too uh big up to like berkeley berkeley high you know (laughs) for having a dope african-american studies department and really just like giving me so much uh love for pedagogy that i'm still doing it to this day i'm still in love with teaching i'm still in love with uh being able to influence uh, youngsters to create and be the next generation. And, and, and yo, they're the next people who are going to buy your zine, too, you know? like <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know everybody's like, I don't want to be capitalist and all, you know? But, yo, that's for real, so, you know? Like, the more <laughs> folks you stop... If you stop and are like, yo, I'm a 40-year-old and I'm going to be like this, then... That's where your life stops, you know, like, vas a ser un viejo, (laughs) you know, but if you you just continue kicking it, you know, hanging out and understanding what the youngsters are up to and really um, genuinely being there as a mentor and, again, as an educator and as a facilitator, then that's what's key, y'all.
5: Yay. Step, step, step. Yay. Yay.
1: all right thank you all so much for being here again Yay. we really really appreciate it, y'all taking the time creating this space it was you know you get into a mindset you know like it's actually a full-fledged conversation and mm-hmm. shout out to y'all. Y'all are all really dope people. <laughs> y'all are amazing! <laughs> <laughs> so are you too!
3: Thank
1: you yes. for having us. Yes. Thanks for yes. having us! We're right. We're I'll, I'll take <laughs> 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 y'all that. I y'all want to, nah. <laughs> um, yeah, thank y'all so much and we really hope y'all enjoyed this episode yeah. and tune in for the next one. Yo. <laughs> yeah, no, th- that was like, honestly, really incredible. And I am so, so grateful for being able to have shared some space with all of these really dope people who really talked about the Bay in a way that, you know, like, I guess my experience from like hearing about the Bay has never been from an artist perspective. It's always just been like folks who moved out to college from the Bay Area, but who maybe weren't as involved in art. And so to hear them talk about it in a way where it's just like art mobilizes people and just, ah, it was incredible. And shout out to you for like hosting this environment, Sandra.
0: Thank you. I'm honestly like really shook at how Central American the Bay Area is, but we don't know about it. Yeah. Like that is something that I, I mean, I knew because I was here and I would see hella Central American people. I knew that there was a lot of Guatemalans and like the East Mm Bay and I knew that there was at least like a handful of Nicaraguenses because where I work, we, we do a lot of like housing work and a lot of our clients that are like Latinx mm. are Nicaraguan or Salvadoran. So I knew that there was, but like I also didn't really realize like how much there actually was. Yeah. So I was shook. And the fact that a lot of mission history is actually Central American history but that's not necessarily what is I guess projected was so interesting to learn about
1: yeah it was just a different take a different history that's always been there but never been at the forefront so it was just beautiful to be in this space I felt so fulfilled I was just like yes I came to the bay area and I learned about the bay area you you got hella
0: educated (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) i did
0: (laughs) i mean i did too i wasn't the only one Uh, so or you weren't the only one i mean but this is this is really great and i'm just so happy with everything and once again a shout out to brina to plinio to Marabet, to gabriela and to janine especially janine who Basically, like, got all these uh, people together with me. Like, she was very. As soon as I like mentioned it to her, we met Janine at podcast mm-hmm. Actually, we've shouted her out a couple of times on the pod IG and on the pod itself. And Janine was just like, "Oh my god, you could, you should interview this person. You should interview this person. You have you thought about this?" Person? I'm like, "Yes, girl. Oh my god, <laughs> i
5: already meeting all these
0: people, but let's go. I mean, we're ready." And shout out <laughs> to Janine for being truly the curator that she fucking is. Like, she is there yeah and she's always there to uplift and always there to like reaffirm people and tell them that they're great so shout out to janine can never stop shouting her out i love her love you
1: yeah uh yeah this was such a wonderful conversation and i'm so so happy that it happened and so shout out to all of the folks who came to sandra for hosting this event and for creating this whole environment that we could all feel comfortable in and so I hope y'all enjoyed this because, you know, this was a lot of fun to make. This is like one of the episodes that was just like, "Yo, we're chilling. Talking to some really fucking dope mm-hmm. people.
0: Yeah, this was definitely like one of my top episodes for sure. hmm. All right. Well, thank you and goodbye.
1: All right. Thank y'all. Good night. Good day. Good evening. Whatever. <laughs> Bye.